You're listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Michelle Jewell Shaw, chairperson of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses, photographer, teacher, and mom. Hi, Michelle. Hello, Jeremy, and hello to all of our listeners out there. This is April 4th, 2021, and this is episode 112 of Lighthearted, the podcast where we talk about all kinds of things related to lighthouses. Michelle, who's our guest on today's episode? Our guest is Angelie Perro, a children's book author living in Maine. Angelie has been a friend of mine for quite a few years. It was a pleasure talking with her for this podcast. We'll hear my conversation with her in a minute. But first, what has happened on the state and lighthouse history, Michelle? On April 4th, 1915, in a spring snowstorm, three barges went aground close to Highland Lighthouse on Cape Cod, Massachusetts. The crewmen from the barges were rescued by the men at the Highland Lifesaving Station, just north of the lighthouse. Two of the barges were a total loss, but a third, the Mannheim, remained on the beach for a year, with the captain and two of his crew living on board. A year to the day after the stranding, the barge was refloated and returned to the business of carrying coal. The magician David Blaine was born on April 4, 1973, in Brooklyn, New York. He once said, quote, we are all capable of infinitely more than we believe, unquote. Uh, so, Michelle, why don't we tell our listeners about today's guest? Good idea, Jeremy. Angelie Perro was born in Rockland on the Maine coast. Her grandfather was a lobsterman, and her uncle fished the Grand Banks. As a child, Angelie delighted in exploring the beach with her grandmother, collecting seashells and sea glass. She also started writing poems and stories when she was a child. Maine's maritime history has provided material for much of her writing, including four of her children's books, Captain's Castaway, Lighthouse Dog to the Rescue, Sirius the Dog Star, and Love from the Sky, as well as a Maine Lighthouse's coloring book. Her other picture books include Dog Sled Dreamer and Many Hands, which was a 2010 Lupin Award winner. Angelie's love for mystery stories inspired her to write the Key Mystery series for children ages 8 to 12, starting with The Lightkeeper's Key and The Whispering Key. There are now eight volumes in the series. She also has written a trilogy of horse adventure books for young teens, Celtic Thunder, Celtic Tide, and Celtic Legend. Angelie lives in Hamden, Maine with her husband and their dog, Lily. She's the mother of two and grandmother of three. Her other interests include hiking, kayaking, cross-country skiing, reading, painting, gardening, Irish dancing, and Celtic music. I spoke with Angelie in February. Let's listen to that conversation now. I'm speaking today with children's book author, Angelie Perro. Thanks so much for joining me today, Angelie. Thank you, Jeremy, for inviting me to talk about my books. I appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. People are going to be hearing this a bit later, but we're actually speaking on February 16th. And a lot of the country's actually just been hit by an ice storm in the last day or two. Uh, how are things in Hampton, Maine? Well, we're having a storm right now. It's been a mixture of snow and ice, typical for this winter. Yeah. We're doing pretty well here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. We've got mostly mostly rain, so it's more slushy than icy. I guess we're lucky. It is New England. Mm-hmm. Starting out here, I, I just want to ask you about the subjects that you have written your children's books about over the years. Many of the books draw from stories of New England maritime history and especially the Maine coast. 
what what do you think led you to writing about those subjects? Well, um, I was born in a coastal city, Rockland, Maine. A number of my ancestors made their living from the sea, so I guess you could say the sea is in my blood. And um, I've always been fascinated by the ocean and by sailing ships and pirates and stories of rescue and and just the hardworking people that live on the coast. So the history has been something I've really enjoyed researching and um, incorporating into my books. One of your favorite subjects in particular has been heroic dogs at lighthouses. What led you to those stories? Well, I am a dog lover. I have a dog of my own. She's a a fun-loving golden doodle. We now have a second dog in the house, a a little shih tzu. um, His name is Jax. So I love dogs. And dogs are, you know, they're such brave and smart and loyal creatures. And they were just a natural choice for a companion for lighthouse families. Oh, yeah. Just to back up a little bit to your the beginnings of your, your writing, uh, I was reading your biography, and it said you started writing poems and stories as a child. So I have a, a two-part question for you. One, do you still write poetry? And second, do you see any similarities between writing children's books and writing poetry? Yes, I, I still do write poetry. I find it's a, a great way to express my thoughts and feelings in an artistic way. And I just love, you know, playing with words and making making things sound good. And yes, is, there's certainly great similarities between poetry and, and writing children's books because picture books are usually read aloud, and so you you strive for a certain, you know, rhythmic cadence and just using words in a, a way that it almost sounds musical when, you know, you're hearing it aloud, and children really appreciate that, I think, the, that descriptive language and the, the poetic sound. Yeah, well, that's a great comparison. One of your, your first books, maybe it was, I don't know if it was the first one, but close to your first book, was a coloring book of Maine Lighthouses, and mm-hmm. you mentioned to me recently that a new version of that is in the works. Uh, do you know when that's going to be coming out? The coloring book was actually the beginning of my writing career. (laughs) I was a fourth grade teacher, and I was always looking for ways to integrate subjects. And so we were studying light and lenses in science, and uh, we were studying Maine in social studies. So I had an idea of combining those two things in a um, Maine Lighthouse's coloring book for my class. So I spent his summer doing the drawings for that. Um, it featured 20 main lighthouses with interesting facts about each one. And um, the kids just loved it. So that was back in the mid-90s. So I thought it was time to update it, and I wanted to add more lighthouses to it. So that's what I'm working on right now. Actually, your book, the... Um, New England Lighthouse's handbook has been a great reference because you have wonderful photographs in it of each main lighthouse. I'm drawing the the pictures out by hand and researching information about them, and it should be ready, the new version, sometime this year. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you exactly when, but 
yeah. aiming for 2021. Huh. Good, good. I'm, and I'm glad you mentioned your, your background as a teacher. Obviously, that had a lot to do with uh, getting into writing children's books. You know, teachers are notorious for <laughs> always wanting to educate kids. And so my books do that, even the fictional ones. Oh, absolutely. It seems to me your career as a teacher and as a children's book author work, work together, kind of mm-hmm. hand, hand in hand. So your first children's picture book, uh, not counting the, the coloring book, your first children's picture book was Captain's Castaway. Was that one based on a true story? Uh, yes. Captain's Castaway is the true story of a, a seagoing dog who was shipwrecked with the crew of a fishing boat um, at Great Duck Island off the main coast. And he was injured and um, nursed back to health by the lightkeeper's daughter. Actually, how this book came about was when I was researching for the um, coloring book, I came across a a little mention of this incident in um, one of Edward Rose Snow's books, Mm -hmm. um, New England Lighthouses. And at the time, it hit me like, what a great children's book that would make. And so it was a couple of years later when I actually wrote the um, story. I'm glad to hear you found that in one of Edward Rose Snow's books, uh, one of my heroes, of course, a huge influence mm-hmm. on me. People listening in the New England region probably know who he was, uh, at least if they're of a certain age. But uh, he uh, was a great uh, storyteller of the New England coast. And we're going to talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about him in a little while when we get to the, the Flying Santa, talking about that a bit. But your next, uh, your next book after Captain's Castaway was Lighthouse Dog to the Rescue which is based on a pretty well-known story, at least uh, I would say well-known to lighthouse buffs, the story of Spot, who was a hero dog at Owlshead Lighthouse in Maine, mm-hmm. near where you grew up in Rockland. Has Lighthouse Dog to the Rescue been your most popular book? Uh, I would say yes, it has. And I think it's because of the location. Owlshead Light is on the mainland. It's easy to get to. It's near Rockland. Many people are familiar with that lighthouse and have visited it. So um, the book has really caught on with, um, you know, central Maine in that area. And I think the fact that it's also sold in the gift shop at the lighthouse has really helped keep the book going. And until the pandemic hit, I was actually doing a book signing at Owl's Head Light every uh, fall on Main Open Lighthouse Day, right. and that was such a great way to to meet so many lighthouse fans from all over the world. So I'll be happy when that time comes again. Oh yeah, I go periodically to Alsed and uh, visit my friends, the Trapanis, Bob and Ann Trapani, mm-hmm. there, and the whole Trapani family, and the other people who work in the shop there. And uh, I saw the last time I was there that that you can buy your book and also get a like a plush toy that looks kind of like mm-hmm. Spot, you know, along with it, like a package deal. That's a pretty good good deal. And uh, do I remember right? The Spot was a Springer Spaniel. Is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what else about the story of Spot is uh, is special for you? Well, um, I mentioned earlier about you know, how smart dogs are. And that was one of the things that impressed me with Spot. He learned to ring the fog bell by pulling on the rope with his teeth. In the in the story, which this was a true event, of course, he could sense the presence of a boat out there in the blizzard when no human ear could hear it. 
And so he was able to bark and um, warn the ship away from the rocks, and so they were able to get safely into the harbor. An amazing experience I had at Owl's Head Light was when Paul and Mary Ellen Dilger, Mm -hmm. who are a Coast Guard couple, they were living at Owl's Head at the time, and they had a big event for the community where they dedicated a stone in Spot's memory. So they invited lots of people, including me. I was there. (laughs) I was there too. You were there. (laughs) Uh, So the illustrator Emily Harris was there as well, and that was our first time meeting. The highlight for me, though, was actually getting to go into the house and the light tower for the first time. Back then, the tower wasn't normally open to visitors, and, and the house was their home, so it wasn't either. So to be able to go inside and see where Spot actually lived and where this story took place was really exciting for me. So your next children's picture book was uh, Sirius the Dog Star, and that involved uh, two of your favorite subjects, a lighthouse and a hero dog. Yes, this was another seagoing dog, and when their their ship, the Gold Hunter, hit a ledge near Boone Island Light in southern Maine, he was actually able to pull the lifeboat, the cruise lifeboat, to safety um, on the shore. And so uh, it's just amazing, you know, what these dogs have accomplished and just how brave and, and smart they are. The uh, illustrator for several of your books was Emily Harris. What do you think her illustrations brought to the books exactly? Well, um, Emily illustrated my first three picture books, and I love the way that she brought out details that I hadn't even thought of. For example, in Captain's Castaway, she shows a crate on board ship, and there's little mice peeking out of holes in the crate. And then in another scene, um, I had mentioned that the girl in the story, Sarah, had many brothers and sisters. So Emily showed Sarah's brother dangling a spider in front of her face while she's tending to the injured dog. (laughs) So those are details that children reading the story just adore. You know, they, they notice everything. So it's great to have someone else, you know, working to really add to the story. And um, Emily is a skilled artist living in Massachusetts. We had a a wonderful joint book signing at Mystic Seaport in Connecticut. The museum had a special sea dogs exhibit in a big lighthouse-shaped room. And part of the exhibit was Emily's um, original paintings for Sirius the Dog Star, Mm. and they had made some big murals out of some of them, too. And that day they had um, rescue demonstrations going on in the water of the Newfoundland dogs rescuing, showing how they rescue people. So that was just a, a really exciting experience. So let me ask you, in your experience, and this is something I've asked other authors, and I think it's it's different from, from case to case, but in your experience, how do the uh, author and illustrator of a children's book uh, collaborate? Well, unfortunately, sometimes the editor doesn't want the author and illustrator to collaborate. I don't know if it's because they're afraid, afraid they'll lose control or what. 
as I said, I I didn't even meet Emily until I think several of the books had been published. I did try to provide photographs for her since these were actual places and I wanted to be sure they were accurate in the way that she drew them. And I think because my stories are in, you know, real places and have real people in them, that's important because you want them to be authentic. Let's uh, move on. We'll get back to Lighthouse-related projects. But your your book, Many Hands, won the 2010 Lupin Award, which honors yeah. an author or illustrator who is a resident of Maine or who has created a work whose focus is Maine. Now, what was that book about? Well, this is the only fictional picture book that I've written. Um, it's based on um, Maine Native American um, basket making, and a friend of mine is a master basket maker and grew up on Indian Island in Maine. And uh, she was a great resource for this story. She um, showed me her baskets, showed me her tools that she uses, and, you know, explained the whole basket-making process. And so in the story, a, a little Penobscot girl uh, dreams of making a beautiful basket and... Uh, an image of a basket comes to her in a dream from her her departed grandmother. The book was written because of the law that was passed that um, all Maine schools needed to be teaching Native American culture and history, and so there wasn't much for resources for teachers. So they've teachers have really appreciated having this book to be able to make that connection to the tradition of basket making. Mm -hmm. And um, so I dedicated the book to my friend who is the, the basket maker. Well, that's great. What a, what a wonderful subject that is. And then you're, you did a book called Dog Sled Dreamer, which involved dogs, but uh, don't believe there was a lighthouse in there. What, <laughs> yeah, what exactly no, was that? Wasn't. What was that about? <laughs> well, this was amazing. One day, I got a phone call from a total stranger, and it was a man in Owl's Head, and he was a supporter of the, um, I think he was a friend of the Rockland Breakwater Light, and he had heard about my books. And so he told me that his wife, Inger, was a, a Danish woman who had grown up in Greenland, and um, her dream had been to have her own dog sled, Back then, this was in the 1920s, females didn't have dog sleds. It was totally a male thing. But she actually ended up getting her own dog sled. And so he thought, I would like to write a story about his wife's childhood. And at that time, they were both in their late 80s. This was the only picture book that I've actually illustrated myself because there was kind of a time um, limit there. I didn't know how long they would last, and so I put the book, you know, together myself and self-published it, and uh, Inger just loved it. She cried when I sat down and read it to her, mm. but it was just such an unusual way <laughs> to get an idea for a book, just have someone call you up and say, would you like to write this book? <laughs> uh, but mm -hmm. you, you do have some background as an artist, right? Yes, um, I 
actually taught art, elementary school art, for the past 19 years. Yeah, well, that's some, definitely uh, some background, yeah. Writing is my, my big passion, though, and I really prefer to have somebody else um, do the illustrating. And besides maritime history, another love of yours is Celtic history and culture. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit about your Celtic Touch trilogy. Well, this came about because of a personal experience. I've always loved horses. And a, an Irish dance friend of mine said she and a group of her co-workers were going on a horse riding tour in Ireland. And I said, oh, I'd love to go. <laughs> and she said, well, are you a good rider? And I said, well, uh I've ridden, you know, all my life, but I've ridden only Western. And she said, well, I think you better take some English riding lessons then. So I did. And it was quite an experience. Hmm. Many humorous things happened to me during my riding lessons. And so that became the basis for the first book in the trilogy, uh, Celtic Thunder. So it includes my... I, the character, who was really me, I guess, taking the riding lessons and then going on the horseback riding tour in Ireland. And uh, the other two books, the second one is set in Maine in winter, Celtic Tide. And then for the third book, I traveled to Scotland and went horseback riding near Loch Ness. In that book, the, the main characters are searching for the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> So that's called Celtic Legend. It was a really fun series to work on. Cool. Your earlier books are for for young kids. Picture books are usually up to ages eight or nine. And then these books, this trilogy was actually for young teens. And then you uh, started a a series called The Key Mysteries, uh, The Lightkeeper's Key, I believe was the first in the series. And the lightkeeper's key involves a lighthouse, obviously, and a treasure. Mm-hmm. Probably involves a key too, I would imagine, uh, and <laughs> al- also a ghost. And I, yes. that, those are some really good ingredients there. I don't know what more anyone could want, but uh, <laughs> what led you to write that and the other key mysteries? I had written a short story that I shared with my writers group, and they said. This is great, but there's too much happening in three pages. You need to expand this into a chapter book. And I was so excited to think that I had an idea big enough for a chapter book because I had never felt before that that I did. So I said, okay, I'll try. So um, The Lightkeeper's Key, it wasn't an easy book to write going from doing picture books to, you know, using lots and lots of words, but I was I was very pleased with how it turned out. I taught art for 19 years, and I liked to read to my classes while they were doing their art. So after finishing The Lightkeeper's Key, a student asked me, well, when's the next book going to be ready? And I thought to myself, the next book? Uh-oh. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about another book. And then another student suggested that I write a whole series and that each book have a key in it. Mm. So I pondered on that and thought, wow, that's quite an idea. So there are now 10 key mysteries. Wow. And uh, 
it's been really, really fun working on these. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned earlier your uh, your Celtic trilogy was meant for what, young teens, and th- this is the same. Is that right? The key mysteries? No, they're they're more for the the tweens. So it'd be like ages eight to twelve. Okay. And um, these books are. I was a, a big Nancy Drew Hardy Boy fan when I was a kid. I just loved mystery books. So these are kind of like those books, only I would have to say even better. And I like to weave in local legends and um, history. So at the same time the kids are being entertained, they're also learning about new places and and things. Yeah. The teacher and me. Mm Mm-hmm. My wife is a huge Nancy Drew fan, lifelong Nancy Drew fan, so I'll have to (laughs) tell her about the key mysteries. She would love them. Do you have any preference for which you prefer to write uh, the children's picture books or the the ones for older children? Well, I have to say that working on the key mysteries has been my favorite just because it's so freeing to be able to use more words and really get in-depth into the story and develop a plot. And the characters, too, they get to be like... Um, real people to me because they, you know, they, they're in each story and their personalities kind of develop as they go along. I can ask myself a question like, well, what would Mandy do in this situation? And because I know her so well as a character, I know what she would say and do. So I would have to say those have been the most enjoyable to work on. We mentioned uh, you mentioned Edward Rose Snow earlier, the very popular New England historian. You were saying how one of his stories inspired uh, one of your children's books. Mm-hmm. And uh, as some of our listeners might know about the uh, might know about the Flying Santa, some lighthouse buffs I think are aware of that. It's a tradition that goes back to 1929. Uh, pilot in Maine Bill Winkapoth started it. He started dropping presents out of his uh, seaplane every Christmas season to show appreciation for keepers and their families. And then Edward Rose Snow became involved and he took over as the Flying Santa and did it right through 1980. And incidentally, as you know, Angela, it's still done today by helicopter to Coast Guard stations. It's a way of showing appreciation to Coast Guard families. And if people want to check that out, they can go to flyingsanta.org, just a little aside there. But anyway, um, about eight or nine years ago, I actually tried myself to write a children's book based on the true story of my friend Simond Ponsart Roberts, who lives in uh, Louisiana now. And when she was a little girl at Cuddy Hunk Lighthouse in Massachusetts in Buzzards Bay off of Cape Cod, uh, in the 1940s, Edward Rose Snow, as the Flying Santa, dropped a package with a doll for her, and the doll was broken when it hit a rock which is very sad, but there's a happy ending to the story, which I won't, I don't want to do any spoilers here. So, but when I tried to write the story, I realized I I didn't really know how to properly write a children's book. And I contacted you and you kind of took it from there. You did a a wonderful job with it. Well, it was an interesting experience collaborating on a project with, uh, with you and the illustrator, Heidi Farrow. I enjoyed getting to know Simond who is quite a character and, and storyteller herself. I think we, we did a good job together and produced a, a, a very nice book, and I know Simon loves it. It was really neat that after the book was published, 
um, I was invited to be at Pemaquid Point Light Mm. uh, in Maine when the Flying Santa's helicopter landed. That was so thrilling. Cool. And uh, I've just been in touch with Simon lately, and I think we're going to be scheduling a, a, a podcast interview with her soon, which I'm, I'm oh, very, great. very much looking forward to. And if anybody's interested, in, besides the children's book, well, let me mention also the children's book, uh, Love from the Sky. I don't think we ever said the title. I didn't say the title. But that the book on Simon's experience of the Flying Santa is called Love from the Sky, uh, the true story of Simon and the Flying Santa. But I also want to mention that uh, I, Simon and I collaborated on a book of her memoirs, basically, her, her story of her growing up at lighthouses. And that's called uh, Everyday Heroes, the True Story of a Lighthouse Family. And people can get that on, on Amazon or other online booksellers. Love from the Sky, the children's book, is available through the Flying Santa, Friends of Flying Santa website. So it benefits these uh, helicopter flights to Coast Guard stations. And that's flyingsanta.org. People should get on there and read about the history of the Flying Santa, too. It's a, it's a really interesting, wonderful history. Mm-hmm. Now, moving up to the present day here, in our recent correspondence, you and I have discussed a new project you've been working on, a children's picture book based on the true story of another hero dog, Milo, at Egg Rock Lighthouse, which is actually was. It's not there anymore. In Massachusetts, it was uh, off Nahant, Mass., which is near where I grew up in Lynn, Massachusetts, north of Boston. There's an Egg Rock Lighthouse in Maine, but this was a different one that no longer exists. But what what about the story of Milo drew you to, to write about that? First of all, can you imagine raising a family of five kids on a big rock sticking up out of the ocean <laughs> a mile from the mainland? I, I keep thinking that poor mother. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness she had Milo. He was a big Newfoundland, St. Bernard dog, a great swimmer, and obviously a a great babysitter. He rescued the lighthouse children when they fell into the sea on numerous occasions and then was immortalized in a painting by the famous artist Sir Edward Landseer in the 1800s. So I just, he's just an amazing dog, and I just felt like his story should be told for children to enjoy. Well, I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm so happy you decided to, to move forward on that project, because I've uh, you know sometimes lectured about Egg Rock Lighthouse and Milo, and tried to convince people in that area there should be some sort of plaque uh, you know, along the waterfront there looking out towards Egg Rock because the island itself is so prominent uh, from anywhere along the coast there. As you said, it's a very high, rocky island. And I grew up looking at that island. Every time we go to the beach, I'd look out at it and be kind of fascinated by it, although it wasn't until much later I knew there had been a lighthouse on it. So anyway, I wish you a lot of luck with that project, and I, I look forward to seeing the the finished uh, product. So uh, besides that, are there any other Lighthouse-related books in your pipeline? Well, I'm always open to ideas. Um, I just recently heard about a dog named Shep. Uh, He lived at Hendricks Headlight in Maine, and in 1932 rescued two people and actually received a bronze medal. So I thought that would make another great picture book, so that might be in the pipeline. Okay. Well, you're uh, developing quite a quite a series of, of heroic uh, lighthouse dog books, which is uh, just great. 
somebody needed to do it. <laughs> you were the, yes. the right person to do it. So uh, let me ask you a, a final question for bonus points, okay? Uh, yeah. What is your favorite thing about writing books for children? I would have to say, actually, I have three favorite things, if that's all right. Sure. Um, I was a big reader when I was a kid, and I would read everything I could get my hands on, science books, space, dinosaurs, mysteries, of course. Um, and nothing warms my heart like seeing a kid nowadays lost in a good book. And so one of my favorite things is I, I like that feeling of giving kids today that entertaining and educational book read that, that I had so often when I was a child. Secondly, my second favorite thing is when a child tells me I've inspired mm. him or her to be a writer. That's pretty amazing. And then for my third favorite thing... I, I want to tell you a little story. I was at this multi-author book signing in Portland, Maine, and a father stopped by to tell me that Captain's Castaway was his little daughter's favorite book, and they had to read it together every night at <laughs> bedtime. And she actually had the story memorized and would recite parts of it with him. So that really touched my heart to think that a book of mine had become part of this child's bedtime ritual. One thing I, I hope to accomplish with with the Lighthouse books is to foster an appreciation for lighthouses in young people, because they're the ones that are going to grow up and hopefully be the next generation to preserve our lighthouses. Oh, that's absolutely right. That's... Uh... A great, great cause, and uh, you know your your reasons for your love of writing children's books are all beautiful uh, reasons. And thank you for sharing that, and thank you so much for spending time with me today, Angeli. I, I very much appreciate it. I've been a fan of your work for a long time. I look forward to seeing what comes next. I'm hoping the the Milo book uh, comes next. So <laughs> again, thank you so much for spending time with me, Angeli. Oh, thank you, Jeremy. Let your light shine. Angelie Perrow has a brand new website at www.angeliperrow.net where you can read about all of her books. The new edition of her main lighthouse coloring book is now available on Amazon. Just search on Amazon for Angelie Perrow coloring book. Angelie and I met in 2004 at an event at Owlshead Lighthouse in Maine and we've done a book signing or two together, and it's always a pleasure to speak with her. I want to mention something else before we wrap up this episode. I know a lot of listeners are familiar with Brant Point Lighthouse, the iconic little wooden tower at the entrance to the harbor of Nantucket, Massachusetts. All the ferries entering and leaving the harbor pass close to Brant Point. Coast Guard Station Brant Point is a neighbor of the historic lighthouse. One of Nantucket's most beloved holiday traditions is the hanging of a large wreath on the lighthouse in the holiday season by members of the Coast Guard. It's one of three times a year that the lighthouse is decorated for the season. There's also a daffodil wreath in springtime and an American flag for Independence Day in July. It's a tradition that dates back to 1993. The Coast Guard has kept this going year after year, often paying for the wreath and other decorations out of their own pockets. 
the station Brant Point Spouses Organization has created a Brant Point Lighthouse Wreath Fund to be used solely for the lighthouse decorations. If you'd like to donate, you can send a check to Brant Point Spouses Organization, 20 Vesper Lane, Unit H2, Nantucket, Massachusetts, 02554. Again, that's Brant Point Spouses Organization, 20 Vesper Lane, that's V-E-S-P-E-R Lane, Unit H2, Nantucket, Massachusetts, 02554. On the Facebook page for the station Brant Point Spouses Organization, you can see photos of the lighthouse wreaths. The crew at Brant Point always does a, a really great job decorating. As always, many thanks to the staff, board of directors, volunteers, and members of the United States Lighthouse Society and its chapters and affiliates. Donations to the Society support this podcast and all of the organization's education and preservation activities. Go to uslhs.org to learn about the domestic and international tours, the passport program, preservation grants, the research catalog, and all the things the Society has to offer. A shout out to everyone who supports the preservation of lighthouses or any kind of history. We're all on the same team. If you listen to this podcast through Apple Podcasts or any platform that allows you to post reviews, please rate and review us. If you have any suggestions or feedback, you can email me at jeremy at uslhs.org. William Shakespeare wrote in The Merchant of Venice, quote, How far that little candle throws his beams, so shines a good deed in a weary world, end quote. I want to give a little background on that quote. Uh, the character Portia says it in The Merchant of Venice, but Shakespeare actually wrote it as, So shines a good deed in a naughty world. But in the first movie version of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the one with Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka repeats the quote using the word wary instead of naughty. And that version of the quote now seems to be better known than the original. It's actually all over the internet. In any case, a small good act always brightens a naughty or wary world. As always, thanks for listening and... Keep a good light. Keep a good light.